Let's face it, we frontliners see the absolute worst of humanity more than we may like, definitely a lot more than the general population. And while I can certainly appreciate heading to the local, off-shift friendly drinking establishment after a particularly difficult night, I'd much rather cope with finding whatever humor I can in a bad situation. Trust me, it's better than having to call my adult daughter to pick me up from a bar at 9 o'clock in the morning because I can't, uh, find my keys. My name is Jennifer Cosgrove, and I've been a night shift nurse for close to two decades. I created Overnight Observations to not just celebrate and share the often extremely dark sense of humor many of us possess, but to really dig in and chat about how allowing ourselves to find levity in serious situations not only helps us cope in the moment, it's also been scientifically proven to be beneficial to our overall mental health and physical well-being. So grab a cup of lukewarm coffee and a cold slice of pizza, sit back and relax, but not too much, you'll get us all in trouble, and just observe. Welcome again to Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. I am your hostess, Jen. Thanks for joining me. And I know I've promised some interviews here and there with people that I know, even, hey, people that I don't. Why not? Keep it fun. But I do have a very, very special guest with me today. Very special. I'm here with Patricia Bocchino. And if you know me, you know who she is. And if you don't, I'm going to tell you right now. Pat is my mother outlaw, really? In-law. In-law, still? Well, you're in my number one daughter-in-law, oh, so I guess you that you're my first daughter-in-law. True. We, we didn't I divorced get... him, not you guys. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, and so... I know Chuck, my father-in-law, outlaw, liked the idea of being an outlaw. He loved being an outlaw. <laughs> yes, he did. he did. I think it was his number one ambition when he was 15. So the reason I'm here talking to Pat is because it's kind of it's kind of all your fault, Pat, that I am a nurse. My fault? today. I'm sorry, Jen. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I won't hold it against you. Oh, okay. I will never hold it against you. The mine is not bad. No, no, it's not. And certainly I wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for my nursing career. So there's that. There you go. There's that. So Pat was a nurse when I met my ex-husband, her son. We were, what, 15 years old? Mm. Something like that. So I'm going to be asking a few questions, and I've kind of briefed her on this already, so she kind of has an idea of what's going on. But it'll be fun to hear her side of different things and how she finds humor in dark times at work, and I'm sure that flows into everyday life. Exactly. Everyday life as well as nursing. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell Tell me about how you became a nurse, why you became a nurse. Well, when I was growing up, my mother always talked about how she would love to have been able to be a nurse. Unfortunately, growing up in the Depression, times were hard. Her dad was killed by an automobile. I guess it was a hit and run, actually, the day after the uh, 38 hurricane. And it was a tough life for them. But there were six kids. And uh, so she never got the opportunity, but she always talked about how she would like to be a nurse. And I always had that kind of in the back of my mind that I'd, I'd probably like to be a nurse, too. Unfortunately, growing up in an Italian home mm. with two younger brothers, I mean, you know, I was the girl. I was, what did I have to go to school for? I was only going to get married and have a bunch of kids. So it was more important for, for the boys to have a college education and to go on to whatever. But that was then and 
then I uh, met my husband. We got married. While we were married, he finished his college degree in engineering. And all the time he was going, he kept saying, when I get through, you're going to go. When I get through, you're going to go. You know, you're going to do what you want to do. And that's what I did. He put me through school. That's how I became a nurse at 34. (laughs) Hey, I was 32. So you were a nurse for how long? 40 years. I retired. I was 75 when I retired. So I guess it was 41 years, but whatever. I loved it. I loved it. I was glad I did what I did. I think my mother, I kind of fulfilled a dream that she always had for herself. And she was pretty, pretty happy that I had become a nurse. And as you know, she lived with us. Yep. So it was good for a time. She even worked at the hospital with me. Oh, that's right. She was in housekeeping, wasn't she? She was in housekeeping. Ah. I got other job there. Yeah. And it was great because working at the Lawrence Memorial in Medford, there's big contingency of Italians in Medford. And so many of them, I mean, some of them were there for 30, 40 years and still could not speak English. Mm-hmm. And I'd just pick up the phone. And, call your mother. Call my mother. <laughs> Ma, where, I don't know where you are, but can you meet me on West too? Because I can't understand a word this person is saying. Yeah, And she would uh, do that for us. Now we cannot have anybody doing that. Same. Now you have to pay for an interpreter. Right. Because I think a lot of it has to do with the HIPAA. I think so too. And I, I think, I know in my hospital, we now there's a thing, they really don't want to use family members unless they've been vetted so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, we used to grab the housekeepers all the time. Can you, can you translate something for us? And they, they find, and a oh, lot yeah. of them went into tra- becoming translators. Translators. Yeah. And getting paid for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was good. It was, it was really good. You know, and it, it, we had a good working relationship in that respect. We lived in the same house. Yeah. So it was great. We went to work together and we didn't actually work together, but right. saw each other at work, but it was good and it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was good and bad. Yeah, wow. That's a story about how I got started, and I would be forever grateful to Chuck for pushing me into it. And you and I graduated from the same community college. North I Shore. was able. I was able to pin you. Yes, you were because I was. Uh, I was a past graduate. Yep, got to go yep. up on the stage. That and, was fun. And pin you, and I didn't even stick you. And now, and now I'm pinning you, sort of here. <laughs> Okay. Returning the favor. So when did you graduate from North Shore and how was it different from today? What they're doing now? I mean I graduated from North Shore in 1977. I took my boards 7677 and 7777. There were two days worth of boards. Oof. There were six tests. One of them didn't really count. One of them was actually just a, a test for what they were planning on giving the following year. I took them with Every other student, graduate student, graduate nurse, I should say, in the state of Massachusetts, in the bowels of the Commonwealth Armory. There were more than 5,000 of us there. Wow. Yeah. And it was was something. Now, I guess they go in and they they do it on the computer, bing, 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 and it's all done. Three hours. We had three hours to do it. Three hours. Well, this was two days. As a matter of fact, Paula and Betty and myself, we got a hotel room up on Commonwealth Ave, you know, so that we wouldn't have to drive home and then drive back because we started very early. And it was kind of not so great because some of the people that were in the um, the service, yep. they were coming in in their the trucks and stuff. And well, it is the Armory. Yeah, that's true. It is the Armory. They didn't have enough bathrooms for us. 
a lot of us were leaving, going into like the McDonald's and things like that, trying to, it was good. And then the second day, the McDonald's put a sign up that we couldn't use the bathrooms. It's like, oh, yeah, this is not good. But we got through it and I passed. And that was the big thing. It was a pass fail. Yep. And that's all I cared about. We took the boards, like I said, July 6th and July 7th of 1977. And I got my notice that I had passed on John's birthday. Wow. Which was September 27th. I mean, and let me tell you, that was a long time to wait. I mean, Mm -hmm. pins and needles. I started working for the Lawrence Memorial the beginning of September, I think it was. And I was worked as a graduate nurse. Because I wasn't, I wasn't yet an RN. Right, right. But, wow, uh, it's so different now. Yeah, it is, and I think it's better now. Yeah, I mean, even even when I took my boards, it was the three hours, and I think you heard within seven to ten days because we didn't have all the computerized stuff. I mean, these guys can within twenty four hours they're allowed to chime in, and I think it's twenty four hours. I don't know. I could be wrong well, because they don't want you to if you don't pass. They don't want you having a complete and utter mental and emotional breakdown in the office because they don't know how to handle that. One of the good things about the Lawrence Memorial when I graduated and started working there was that if you did not pass, they kept you as a, they didn't put you back to an LPN or whatever. They kept you as a graduate nurse and they kept you at the same salary and allowed you to take the boards again. We were able to take them again in February. Okay. And they would give you a second chance to pass. So that was that was good on the part. And not all of the hospitals did that. Oh. So that was kind of that was kind of nice of them to do that. They don't do nice things like that in the hospitals anymore. No, they've changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, you think? They've changed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the show I've talked about some of my adventures in nursing school and different things that I've found funny and my colleagues and fellow students have found hilarious, but the general public probably would not. In nursing school. Yeah. Hmm. I think. Uh... I remember you telling me about the the adventure at uh, was it Denver State Hospital? Oh God, Jesus. Yes. Yeah, Denver State Hospital. Yeah. We did our rotation with Salem State, which we did a lot of rotations in a lot of different places with Salem State. And of course, you couldn't wear a uniform and, you know, you had to dress in street clothes. And they wouldn't tell you that you that you were just on your own. You went in and you talked to different people. And after talking to different people for a couple of days, then you decided who you wanted to do as have as your person that you were going to stick with and find out as much as you possibly could about this person without looking at their records. <laughs> it was up to you to... <laughs> to be able to get things out of them, okay? Oh, boy. So, yeah, we went in, and I finally, after two days, I made up my mind who I wanted, and we were playing cards and blah, 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 and I said, yeah, he's going to be the one. And so that when we had our conference afterwards, you know, we all told our instructor who we wanted, and she had a list of names and blah, blah, blah. And I told her who I was going to choose, and she said, I have to choose somebody else. And I said, well, why? He's a really good candidate. And I think I can get him to talk. And she said, yeah, except for one thing. He works here. He's he's, he's one of the um, nurses. <laughs> he's one of the psych nurses. I was like, oh, that doesn't bode well. And there was another time I had to go into the, again, because we were doing the rotation with Salem State we didn't all have keys. There weren't enough keys for everybody to have a set. And I was one of those that did not have a set. And I was doing 
a whole morning in a locked unit, which was a little bit on the scary side. Mm. I mean, these these people were... Well, if it has to be locked, there's a reason. Yeah. And of course, again, we're in street clothes. So I did my thing and then came to be lunchtime. And I went to the nurse's station and I said, could you please page Diana Cross, who was my instructor, and tell her I'd like to uh, leave now. And they just kind of looked at me like, yeah, right. And I said, no, seriously. <laughs> I said, I am a student from North Shore Community College. And they said, who is it you want? I said, Deanna Cross. So they paged Deanna Cross and they told her over the phone that they had a student, one of her students that was looking for her to unlock the door so that she could go and have lunch. So Deanna came to the door, opened the door, looked at me and said, I've never seen her before. And she turned her front <laughs> Talk about Panic City. I was like, when she finally came back in and opened the door and was cracking up, she thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I didn't. Yeah, I did not no. think it was funny. As a matter of fact, when we got out, I said, I will have those keys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are two funny things. I remember Paula. She was my very best friend in nursing school. And Paula was at a different part of Danvers State. She didn't know what he was in for, but he was, he should have been in a locked unit, but she found out very quickly because he told her very quickly Hmm. that he was in because he had a thing with knives and he liked putting knives in flesh. He thought that was just really nice. Paula spent most of the state hiding under the stairs. (laughs) So whenever it was like time to leave or time to go to lunch, (laughs) I'd be like, okay, let's go find Paula. She's going to see what steel way she's hiding under today. Oh, my God. I can't say I blame her. No, no, not at all. It's nice when they're honest, but. But, yeah, uh, I ended up with a pyromaniac. Yeah, she she set many a fire in the Salem area. You know, it was funny. I'm terrified of being up there. And at the end of the rotation, the 18-week rotation, those, those people... They gave us a going away party. They made cookies and and they made cupcakes. And they were just so glad that we had come and spent some time with them. Now, you're talking the patients or? or Patients. Wait, the cupcakes that the patients made. Yes, we did. I don't know. Did we? I don't know. But it was very nice. It was nice. Well, they were eating them, so it couldn't have been too bad. True. I mean, there were some sad, sad situations. Yeah. I'll tell you, I wasn't afraid to go up there anymore. And I I felt really bad, really, really bad when I heard that they had closed in the state. Every aspect of nursing. You have some funny stuff that goes on and some really sad stuff that goes on. This is true. Yeah. So you have to, again, as with any other occupation or any other day in the life of us, you have to take the good with the bad. Yeah. You have to be able to roll with the punches, I guess. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Pretty good stories. Anything from that stands out to you from your nursing career? Any kind of strange things that only people in the know would appreciate and not necessarily something you'd talk about at the dinner table? I didn't like working nights when there was a full moon. That nothing has changed. Oh, nothing has changed. Yeah, we had we had some. At least you weren't at Danvers State. No, I wasn't at Danvers State, but there were times when it, it felt like we were at Danvers State. Let me tell you, <laughs> I remember one night I was working. You know, who knew it was a full moon because we were having a terrible storm. It was a rainstorm. We had this woman who was confined to a wheelchair. And around two o'clock in the morning, she was missing. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I think I was in charge that night almost too. That's always the way. Oh God. So you call security and you call the supervisors and you got everybody looking for her. No, I was on West 3, as a matter of fact, because they found her. They had a 
door that went out onto a roof. It was part of actually how to get through um, cardiac rehab in order to get to that door. And they found her getting ready to walk out onto the roof. This is a woman who hadn't walked in I don't know how long. It was a miracle, a full moon miracle. As soon as she saw that they found her getting ready to walk out that door and that door was locked. So I don't know how the heck she, she knew what she was doing, obviously. But as soon as she saw security, she sat down on the floor. She couldn't walk anymore. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, but uh, brought her back and I was like, are you kidding me? I said, these, these things only happen in good in a full moon. And somebody said, uh, well, if you look at the calendar, it is a full moon, except that it's raining, but it is a full moon tonight. I was like, it had to be. Of course it is. That was, that was something that was kind of strange. Yeah, I didn't like working nights on full moons because you always had those kind of crazy, especially in the ER. So oh, God, oh. save me from the ER on a full moon. Too many things. Too many things. Yeah. But interesting, though. <laughs> this is true. That only you know, truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. So they say. Yeah. So they say. Would you say that humor and being able to kind of take that oh. step back and get a laugh out of something? You have to. Yeah. You have to. I mean, you absolutely have to. I mean, I can, as I told you just recently, I never said, I don't know if I should say that word, but you know the word I'm talking about. I believe the, so. The F word. Yeah. I oh. never, ever, ever said that word. Never until I became a nurse. But I it say helps, it more often than I. It helps relieve the tension. And I remember. <laughs> This was funny. I uh, I worked with a, a woman. Her name was Mary. She was funny. She was another one. Kind of prudish, even more so than me, because by the time I started working with her, I was well, too I far was, gone. But... I was too far gone. I mean, I was saying F all every time. <laughs> the only thing is you had to wait until you got into the med room and then you closed the doors, you know, because you didn't want anybody else to hear you and you'd be in there. And I can remember. We had said to her, you know, you got to let it out. I mean, then things bother you that much. You got to let it out. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't know. There was a bunch of us. We must have been pouring 12 o'clock meds or something. I don't know. But she comes in and uh, she very calmly walked in. Now, we had two doors to the med room. One was off the nurse's station. The other one was in the, the hallway. She comes in, closes both doors, stands in the middle, and she started, she was saying every word in the book and, and she was stamping her feet and rising her hand and she finished and she said, okay, I feel better now. She got up, she opened the doors and walked out and we all just looked at each other and we just burst out laughing. Yeah, but we've managed to corrupt another one. Well, actually we didn't corrupt her. It was the job that corrupted her. It was probably some patient's family that corrupted her. Yeah. Or maybe even a patient. Who knows? But we always made excuses for the patients because... Well, they're patients and they're, they're not patients. feeling well. So. Well, it's, I was used to working with the public before I became a nurse. Right. I worked with the public. And, you know, working with the public... Gives you a certain set of skills. Yeah. <laughs> It's not easy. True. I used to say all the time, working with the public isn't easy. Working with the sick public is even harder. Yeah. Yeah. But the families, mm. yeah, I don't know. But you have to remember the families. They may not be feeling the physical pain, but I did. I had a lot more um, empathy, I guess, for the families after being a family member when my dad was very sick and dying. Right. And yeah, he had the pain, and but we had the pain too. Just that it wasn't physical pain. It was a mental pain. So you have to remember, you know, that the families need just as much TLC sometimes as as the patients. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's nice 
to be able to be with a patient when their families can't. True. Yeah, we had a patient once. He was a sweetheart. He was dying. And he tried so hard to hold on. He had one child. She was a daughter and she was trying to get to Medford from somewhere in Pennsylvania. And we didn't think she was going to make it. So I remember June Valiente. She was my um, nurse's aide that worked with me a lot. And I know June, those are the days when the nurse's aides could also write notes. They had to be co-signed by the RN, Mm -hmm. but they could write notes. But I remember June and I sitting in his room and writing our notes with him, taking turns holding his hand because we just did not want him to die alone. Right. Because we didn't think that his daughter was going to make it. And she didn't. But we were there. Yeah. You know, and that's something. That's comfort to a family, though. You know what? Yes, it was comfort to her and I think comfort to him. Mm. But it also meant a heck of a lot to us. Oh, of course. You know, I mean, it meant a lot to us to be able to do that, you know, to be able to do that for him because he was a sweet guy. A lot of nice things. A lot of nice things. I took care of Amelia Earhart's sister several times. Oh, no kidding. Yep. She was a resident of Medford, and she talked about her quite a bit. She was an elderly, elderly lady. This, this, I can't even remember her name. I'm sure she's gone now because it was a long time ago. But yeah, she was very proud of the fact that um, Amelia Earhart was her sister. And it was corroborated. Yeah, so it was good. A lot of nice memories. A lot of people that you saw frequently. We used to call them frequent flyers. Still do. They almost become like family to you. This is true. So what else can I tell you about my nursing career? What else can you tell me? Well, what type of advice from a humor standpoint would you give people in nursing, in public service? Specifically in nursing, from my own experience, what I would definitely say is if you have, if you have a feeling that you might like to be a nurse, Work as a nurse's aide for a while. See what it's all about. Keep an eye on what the nurses are doing too and see if this is really what you want. This is one thing that I did not do. I always wanted to be a nurse, but had no idea what nursing really was all about. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would have changed your mind? No, I still would have wanted to be a nurse, but I probably would have gone into it with my eyes a little bit more open because I know for the first year of my career as a nurse, I kept thinking to myself, this is the worst mistake I ever made in my life. You know, (laughs) I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. But uh, I think that would be my advice to check it out first and work, work in this, in the milieu, see what it's all about. Pay attention to, you know, how the nurses are handling things and what they're doing. See if it's really what you want. Mm -hmm. And then if you do decide that it's what you want, again, keep in mind that you are working with the public and, you know, they are sick. I've always tried to look at my patients. I I, I used to look at my patients, the, the guy patients a lot of times and think to myself, if this was daddy, my father, this is how I would, how would I want them to treat my father? Mm-hmm. And then the same with my mother. Try to, try to look at them that no matter what they do, no matter what they say, try to think of how you would like your mother or your father or your loved one to be treated and try to do that. And don't forget the families. Don't forget the families because they, they really, they really are going through their own thing too. They really are. And I found this out to working. I last 15 years I worked, as you know, I worked in the recovery room. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of these people would be out there. I'm talking about the relatives. They'd be out there since 5.30 in the morning right? waiting. Mm-hmm. And then I'd come in because I'd come in. I always came in a little bit early 
and get things started. And I was usually there somewhere between 5, 30, 20 minutes to 6 and open up the OR and get things started as far as getting the IVs, putting the lines mm-hmm. in and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You'd see these people and, yeah, hi, how you doing? Yeah, okay, it's going to be a little while because we're not even open until 6. And then they have to go, th- then the patient has to go through pre-op. And then he has to go through whatever it is he goes through with the anesthesiologist and then waiting in the holding area and then finally getting into the OR and then going through the surgery, then finally coming out into the recovery room. And we'd have to have them at least, well, three, four sets of signs, depending on, you know, what type of surgery they had before you would allow. And hopefully the doctors, a lot of times we would have to remind them, patient's wife is out there, been out there since 5.30. You could stop and just let her know that he came through it okay. And they were usually pretty good about that, but they wanted to see them. So we would try to get them in as quickly as possible so that they could spend a little bit of time, you know, and then send them off on their way. Most of the time, the patients ended up going home, which was good. They didn't realize it was good. They used to be like, what do you mean you're sending them home? Why do you want them to stay here? It's only sick people in the hospital. <laughs> sick people with diseases. You know? Yeah. You've got an open cut here. Do you really want them here? No, send them home. I liked the recovery room. You didn't see as much heartbreaking things. Mm. Saw a couple of things. But for the most part, it was different. It was different. It was different than, than being in the ER or the ICU or even the floors. Don't think I could do what you do. We hear that. Neonatal nurses hear that a lot. Couldn't do it. Well, when it's good, it's great. When it's bad, it's awful. And you think, what am I doing? Why did I do this? Why? Why? It's not for everybody. Right. Thank right. God you're doing it. Thank God it's for you. Yes. I, I was so bad that, again, I was always, as you know, I was always early. And when I mm-hmm. worked in the uh, emergency room, I, I'd get there fairly early. So what I would try to do is before anybody else came in and I was there, I would check the ECOTs and we had four ECOTs. Yeah, because we had two major rooms and then one. And then we had the fourth ECOT was the PD ECOT. Couldn't check it. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. I would see those little intubation things Uh and I'd be like, I can't do this. I'll do all the others, but I can (laughs) do not ask me to do the PD card. Don't, I I want nothing to do with the PD card, please. Thank you. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. The idea of putting one of those things down somebody's throat. Oh, no, that little, little itty bitty thing. Little itty bitties, yeah. No, can't do it. Can't do it. So God bless you, Jen. (laughs) Thank you. I need all the help I can get sometimes. (laughs) You know how it is. I couldn't do that. Yeah. They used to think I was, it was hysterical. Yeah, all the e-cuts are done, but Pat's here today. So the uh, PD cut didn't get done today. Hey, you got everything else done. Yeah, I did. I did. You know, they used to like it when I can answer. Being per diem and being critical care, they used to send me here, there, you know, wherever they needed me in a critical care situation. Until the last 15 years, the last 15 years, the uh, head nurse and the uh, recovery room, she put her foot down, said she wanted me there, and I, which was fine, which was fine. The only time she got really got her shackles up was when um, cardiac rehab had nobody and they would mm. pull me from the uh, the recovery room and she would get upset and they would be like, ah, cardiac rehab makes money for us and we need to have a registered nurse up there that's cardiac, you know, cardiac yeah, rehab trained. Knows what she's doing. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she used to get mad. Her first obligation is to the recovery room and then <laughs> she'd have a go around with the uh, director of nurses and the director of nurses would be, no, her first obligation is to the hospital, not to you. She's per diem. They'd be like, Ina, 
you can't be doing this. Yeah, she didn't <laughs> like it. But at any rate, yeah, that was a fun job. I loved cardiac rehab. I really did. The patients weren't sick. I mean, they were sick. I mean, they yeah. had bad hearts. And they had, Some of them had been through, but they were funny. Can you think of anything in particular? Oh, my God. Frank. Uh-huh. He would, Tell us about Frank. Frank would, Well, Frank's wife, I worked with Sheila in the recovery room for the last eight years, I think, of my recovery room. And before that, I worked with Sheila in the emergency room. So I knew Sheila for years. I, I knew Sheila for 40 years. Because she graduated from the Lawrence Memorial and went right to work for the uh, the Lawrence Memorial. Her thing, for the most part, was uh, the emergency room. And she was married to Frank. I loved Frank. <laughs> but, oh, he was such a bad boy. He would come in on a Monday, cardiac rehab. This is when I was doing pretty much strictly cardiac rehab. I forget who it was. Some one of these girls, they were always having babies. And whenever they had a baby, they'd throw me in there for the maternity leave. This is before I did my 15 years down in uh, the uh, recovery room. Yeah, he'd come in and he'd be telling all the people in cardiac rehab how he made sausages and peppers and onions and <laughs> and pasta. <laughs> Obviously, he was Italian. And I'd be like, Frank, A Good Frank. cardiac diet. Yeah. And he'd be like, listen, who's going to be here Wednesday? Because I'm going to stop and get some donuts and bring them. And I'd be like, Frank, Frank. Was he just doing it to get your goat or was he? He was probably serious. serious. Because <laughs> Sheila used to have a, Sheila had a terrible time with him. But then uh, I'd say probably the last five years that he was alive, and he had he had calmed down. He really got really, really sick. I mean, he, he had such a bad heart and he really didn't. And he was a great guy, but he just did not take it seriously. Yeah. He'd graduate from cardiac rehab. He'd do his 36 sessions. 12 weeks, give him his little cap and gown, off he'd go. And within a couple of months, maybe six months, he'd be back in cardiac rehab because he had another cardiac event. Well, why not? The way he was eating sausages and peppers and and donuts. donuts? Are you kidding? Oh, my. (laughs) And poor Sheila would be like, oh, you know, I can't. I mean, I can't be in his back pocket. Yeah. He's such a bad boy. He is such a bad boy. Frank. I went went to his wake and funeral. Yeah. It's like losing losing a cousin, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, and it's like losing somebody, you knew it was going to happen because he, he didn't take it seriously, but he was such a great guy and he was so happy all the time and he was, you know, so friendly. And I used to see him a lot when he would come and pick Sheila up and he'd pop his head into the uh, recovery room just to say hi to me. Hey, Pat, how you doing? And I'd say, Frank, are you behaving yourself? Nah. He'd go, Nah. I remember when I when I had the uh, pancreatitis and I was out for a while and I saw Frank one day. I was getting ready to leave to go home after working and Frank was out waiting for Sheila and he was like, come over here. Let me give you a hug. I was so worried about you. Blah, 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 blah. You know, oh God, I'm thinking to myself, you were worried about me. Hmm. Been worried about you for 15 years, <laughs> but he did die. It was a matter of time. Yeah. We had a few like that. I had one guy in cardiac rehab that worked with Chuck, and I didn't realize it until after he graduated. And when he graduated, he gave me and the two other girls that worked with me, one of them was an exercise physiologist, and the other one was another RN. He had gone to Ireland, the most beautiful, soft Irish knit. It was a scarf. And in my favorite color, green. He was another one. He was serious about doing a good job in cardiac rehab. So no sausages, peppers, and donuts for this guy. And no life either. Yeah. 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 His heart attack was... Yeah, he did okay in cardiac rehab, but it was just 
there was a lot of damage, mm. but he didn't. He didn't do that. He did well in cardiac rehab, but he didn't last long after he graduated. A lot of sad things like that, but got good memories too. Yeah. I mean, I feel sad about about Frank, but I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to know him. Yeah, even if he was a bad boy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and just by talking about him, he's being remembered. Exactly. Exactly. And that's yeah. kind of neat. And one of the girls who worked for my insurance agency, Nicole, was his niece. Small world. Yeah. So when I was no longer doing cardiac rehab, and when when I retired, a lot of times I would say to Nicole, How, "How's your How's Uncle Frank doing?" That's how I found out that Frank had passed away because uh-huh. I was no longer working. It was only a few years ago because I haven't worked now for five years. Yeah, it was Nicole that actually called me and told me, I just want you to know that oh. Uncle Frank passed. I said, oh my God. I said, Nicole, thank you so much for letting me know. Mm. Yeah. Got dressed and went to Della Russo's in Medford. But yeah, I wouldn't give up my 40 years for anything. I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I know there are a lot of a lot of new kids getting into nursing that really, in my estimation, didn't belong there. Mm. There, I don't know. They just didn't have the the empathy for the patients. And that's huge. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were more interested in, I don't know, maybe it's the computer age. Maybe it's the fact that they were spent so much time on the computers. You know, I resented the computers. I have to say I did resent them because I worked when I first worked. We didn't have computers. And it's probably the reason why I hate my computer here. Though my last job in the recovery room, we had three different computers that we had to use on a daily basis. I mean, we couldn't even get a med. Our med was a Pixis machine, which is a computer. And by the time I got home, you know, Chuck would say, let me show you how to do such and such. Don't talk to me about computers. I don't even want to look at a computer. But I do remember one time, not long after we all converted to computers, maybe three, four, maybe even five years afterwards, I remember the computers all went down in the hospital. Kids didn't, they didn't have a clue, Mm -hmm. not a clue what they were going to do. And there were a few of us that were still around that remembered before we had computers and they were like we can't give the men until we find out what what this uh, lab was and blah, blah blah i said so you pick up the phone and you call the lab and you find out what the what the lab values are well, how, how we got to write all that down no there's still an old pad of paper with all everything you need yeah yeah they had no clue as to what they were going to do yeah that hasn't changed yeah People talk about how the old folks of a certain age, mm. not that they're not worth anything, but they just kind of get, you know, shoved into the background. You know, when it all goes black, who are these young people going to be looking for? Yeah. You and me, my friend. Yeah. Because yeah. we can write a few letters on a piece of paper <laughs> and, and use an abacus <laughs> to figure out numbers. It was like, how do how do we call the lab? I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Every phone on this nurse's station has a list right beside it, Mm -hmm. and the lab is on the list. You just pick up the phone and and dial the lab. You might have to wait your turn because everybody's going to be dialing the lab. And it was like, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? We're going to manage. manage. And it is unfortunate with all the computers. I know I've had patients when I've worked on maternity that are kind of, especially when when new programs go in and you're trying to figure out where exactly or what page you're supposed to be on. and, And a lot of them feel like, well, where's that patient experience? Why, you know, I'm here. Why are you looking at the computer when you're talking are you exactly. talking to the computer or are you talking to me exactly yeah my point i mean there's a this it's not just a name on a screen 
there's a person behind that name. But I have to say, as a as a general rule, I think we got a bag one year for nurses, uh, nurses week. <gasps> Tell me about the nurses week stuff. Oh, we got this bag. I still have it. It's in my. <laughs> And the bag said, nurses are everyday heroes. And it was given to us right after, I think it was the, was it the same year or maybe the year after 9-11? And I remember being so proud of, of the people that I worked with because, I mean, I was working that day. And um, actually, I had given out my eight o'clock meds. And those are the days when the floors were full. We had 43 patients on West 2 that day. And, um, and so many of them needed help with the breakfast. And so we were all pitching in, helping uh, them eat their breakfast. And I remember I saw the first one go in. And then when the second one went in, we were like, God, this is no accident. And then we, they called a meeting up at the nurse's station. I said, you know, all the nurses, please come to the nurse's station. Nurses only. AIDS could continue to continue feeding. And uh, they wanted volunteers that were willing to, uh, to go to New York yeah. to help everybody. Everybody volunteered. Yeah. Everybody was on the phone, calling their houses, calling whoever, setting up, babysitting. Thank God I didn't have to worry about that. My my mom lived in the second floor apartment and, yeah. you know, so, and my kids were older. Yeah. I was so proud of the people I worked with and there wasn't one of them that didn't volunteer to go to New York. This was maybe around 10. Yeah. Somewhere around, I think the second one was a little after nine o'clock, nine twelve or nine fifteen, something like that. And I think it was like around 10 o'clock. We had all decided we were going to volunteer to go to New York and they were going to get buses. And by 12 o'clock, when we hadn't left, we knew yeah. they didn't need us. This was not going to be any kind of a, this was just going to be a search and recovery. There was not going to be any survivors. And there weren't. It was, I remember it was so disheartening. You know, we were all gung-ho. We were going to do everything we could to help. There was no help. It was, yeah, there was nothing we could do. And that's kind of a, when you're, you know yourself, when you're a nurse, you want to help. Yeah. And when you find out that somebody is terminal and there's nothing you can do to help, it's it's one of those feelings. It's like, ah, God. So you do whatever you can. If somebody is going to be terminal, you sit with them, you sit with the family, you know, you try to give them that kind of help, quote, unquote. As far as the people in New York that we couldn't help, you pray. Hope they didn't suffer. But at any rate, that's my story. Well, thank you so much for sharing it. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you, Jen. You know that. I do. Thank you again for volunteering to be my first victim. Oh, I'm your first victim? Yes, you're my first victim. <clears throat> oh, well, I hope everything works out for you. It'll be great. It'll Good be luck. great. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening. I um, hope I didn't bore you. I don't think so. If she bored you too damn bad. Yeah, right. Yeah, too damn bad. Right. <laughs> and so ends the first of hopefully many interviews in the interview series here on Overnight Observations. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed doing it. I love Pat. She means the world to me. And I hope you kind of got a little bit of an idea why. Thanks for listening. If you have any stories of your own, want to be interviewed, let me know. OvernightObservations.com or shoot me an email. OvernightObservations at gmail.com. Take care of yourselves and I will talk to you on the flip side. Ciao. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. If you've laughed a little or a lot and learned something in the process, I've done my job. For more respectfully irreverent humor and the scientific proof that it's actually good for you, subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget that a little bit of levity goes a long way to leaving some of the darkness behind. The sun always rises. Greet it with a grin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.